You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Look who it is. It's the Friday Detroit POD cast back in your ears again. We never go away. You can't make us go away. We're here. It is prideofdetroit.com. Pride of Detroit on Twitter. Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us. Bringing you the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Three letters stand for Pride of Detroit. Also the first three letters of podcast. That's how you get POD cast. You can find it on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Uh, just uh, just found out that someone put it on the iHeart me uh, iHeart app, iHeart Radio. So you can find it there too. Just in case you're uh, using that to listen to any of your other radio stations, you can find our podcast there or anywhere else you get your favorite favorite podcast. I am Chris Perfett, your adequate host at Chris Perfett P E R F E T T on Twitter. I'm called adequate because sometimes we I make mistakes, but you know what? We all make mistakes. We always do. Most of all, my friend, my enemy, Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader, the punt god of Pride of Detroit at Detroit Online is where you find him on Twitter. Jeremy, how you doing? Good. I'm going for a mistake-free episode today. You trying to bat a thousand? No hitter, baby. Or uh, we just we just mixed up baseball. Yeah, metaphors. yeah. Well, you just made a mistake there, so it's gone. Nope. nope walk on the good. walk on the first set of pitch. <laughs> we don't understand baseball. We're a football podcast. What do you want from us? Uh, let's go, bring go our... to bless you boys. All right, jeez. <laughs> don't go to bless you boys. Go to us. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's bring in our third member. Ryan is caught the uh, death disease today. He is Ryan is dead. Ryan is dead, everyone. (laughs) No, he's got the flu or something. So instead, we're bringing in the math bomb. When you have a problem, break break glass in case of emergency and drop the bomb. Math bomb. Kent Lee Platty is once again back with us. Hi, Kent. Hey, guys. Glad to be here. I, I don't have another uh, nickname for you. I don't have a walk-up music for you. you. You're just here. That's the way it usually works. I'm just kind of around, lurking in the background. We, we can't like a non-dangerous the, uh, stalker. I want to I wanna put the You Dropped a Bomb on Me song in there. <laughs> I was thinking some Megadeth, like some Exterminate Them All or something. I don't know. I forgot Megadeth songs. As long as it's an early one. No, I'm not a big fan of their later stuff. Who is? I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Megadeth hipster. <laughs> well, I've seen it all now. Anyway, uh, we're here to talk about preseason game two for the Detroit Lions. Hooray. Very exciting. I know. Uh, let's talk. We're just going to talk a little bit about Matthew Stafford on this podcast because we really don't have too much else to talk to about otherwise there. 
Uh, winners and losers from preseason game two. Mailbag, which I have some problems with Jeremy right now. Jeremy, I think you also teased a rage corner, if I remember correctly. Yeah, if we if we can sneak it in there, I'll, I'll do a, well, a mini rage corner. We're gonna do our opening monologues. Maybe you can like say put your rage corner in there, unless you have like you're just dying to get notes out about this game. Houston Texans thirty, Detroit Lions twenty three. It's the preseason. The score doesn't matter. Once again, Stafford doesn't play. Uh, some starters do play, and I think we're starting to kind of get some of this. Like. I, this one's tough to break down, but I will uh, I will cede the floor to you, Jeremy. You get you get uh, prima noctis on this. Well, I mean, it was it was an inauspicious start to the game, right? Because we pretty much picked up where the lines left off against the the Patriots. You know, the first quarter is kind of what you pay attention to the most in a preseason game because that's where you're going to get most of your starters. Lines start out by letting the Texans drive all the way down the field, score a pretty easy touchdown without much resistance, except for you know. They did force one fourth down, but the Texans easily converted. Then the offense goes three and out. Then the then there's a bad punt. The Texans get in field goal range. They kick a field goal. Then the Lions offense goes three and out. And then things kind of started to settle a little bit after that. And that's I mean that's where the huge difference between this week and last week was was like that's how the entire game went last week. It was just three and outs on offense, no resistance on defense. This year, this week. Lions finally got something going, at least on both sides of the ball. Offensively, Josh Johnson, nothing all all the first half. We can throw out pretty much his entire first half. It was bad. I don't know how much you want to read into that. The guy was barely with the team a full week, um, playing with a bunch of backup receivers and, and, and all that. But defensively, we finally saw a little bit of a turnaround. We saw the, the starters hold on. You know, play play for almost in the entire first half, which was a surprising thing that maybe was a little bit controversial for some people that were worried about the health of guys like Darius Slay or Tracy Walker or Ashawn Robinson even played most of the first half. Um, but they finally got it together. And granted, Houston's first team offense pretty much only played that first snap, but we we saw some playmakers, which is something that we didn't see at all. We saw Andrew Adams make a play. We saw. Um, you know, I don't want to get too much into our winners losers, but Jalen Ruby maybe made plays, and and that to me was at least a little bit promising, knowing that the back end of that defense, because we still haven't seen the starters uh, on the defensive front in the game, but the back end played okay. That first drive was bad. I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but it got better as the game went on. So it was a game that was at least a little more tolerable to watch, which was nice because that first game was rough. Yeah, uh, I think that's kind of the story out there. I, I'm not, I'm not quite sure how how much else to take out of this game. As you say, we we did get some of the some of the first string, and that's what I like to see. Uh, I think I talked about this last week, but like I I do need to see some more out of this team before I can buy into a lot of what's going on. And I'm really not interested in trying to sugarcoat second or third string. Hey, this guy may made a nice catch here, and try to sell that to you and project that as to say, oh yeah, the Lions' depth is good. Uh, the offense, I mean, they definitely put up more yards this game, Jeremy. But as you said, there was definitely some struggles with the uh, first team in a few places. So. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's hard to know how much to read into what, but I think the big yeah. takeaway from offense on Saturday night was where the hell did this David Fails come from? Because he yeah. was dead to rights. I mean, I'm telling you, that I, wasn't I, David I, Fails. 
I had buried the guy because of how bad he was in the preseason and, and training camp. I think everyone had. Like, there was no question that David Fales was not going to be on this team week one. And then he goes out and almost has, like, a perfect day in the second half. Now, granted, we're talking second half of the second preseason game. That's against threes and fours rather than ones and twos, which is what he faced last week against the Patriots. But, I mean, you, you can't really deny his performance. They were good throws. He was actually, like, a little bit mobile in the pocket and, and kind of had a pocket presence a little bit there. And, I mean, he we saw how bad Josh Johnson was in, in the first half. David Fales led this offense on touchdown drives, two of them, which is something we hadn't gotten all preseason. So it, it's exciting just to see a little bit of, of potential there, even though I'm not sure how real it is. I mean, my my I have to trust my eyes. And my eyes tell me no, that don't. I saw David Fales lay a turd for three weeks in, in training camp in the preseason and play well for All right. two quarters. Uh, let, let me stop you before you go completely off the rails there. A, I want to hear more of Ken's theory that this wasn't David Fales. B, <laughs> that, I mean, if it was David Fales, that is called can't go back energy, Jeremy. That's that's your that's your oh, yeah. rational mathematical analysis. That is called can't go back. Uh, Ken, we've got a few minutes here before I want to get onto our Stafford topic. So uh, let me hear your big take. One one big takeaway from the from this game that isn't like too nitty gritty. Yeah, we I came into it hoping that we could see a lot more from the linebackers and from the wide receivers, and the wide receivers at least paid off. Um, we got to see quite a bit out of out of Chris Lacey and Deontis Alexander and uh, Brandon Powell and Travis Fulgham. And even John Duhart had a really nice, I think it was like a 28-yard catch. So we, we got to see some stuff out of these backup receivers, and we haven't had any of that for seemingly forever. I mean, it, it's been an issue in training camp. Uh, I know out of Houston, I heard some good reports about a couple of players, but the big thing that we were hearing from out from Detroit media was that the reserve receivers were having trouble getting open. So they were guys that I really wanted to see. And I came away at least way more positively than I came into the game thinking. I thought they were they were struggling to find anybody that could make any kind of an impact. And now we've got a real battle going for that fourth and fifth spot. Well, the one person we didn't see in this preseason game, and we didn't see him the week before either, is Matthew Stafford. And already out now from several outlets is the question and the concern about if it is indeed concerning that Matthew Stafford hasn't played in these preseason games. I know there's some out there who are the slappies who are already rolling their eyes and saying it doesn't matter, it's preseason. Maybe you're right. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how valuable it is to have him. All I know is that more teams were playing there. Like, I think, Jeremy, we, we've, we saw at least in the first week a lot of teams kind of copycat on the, on the Los Angeles Rams and New England Patriots, depending on who you believe did it first on not playing any of their starters because it wasn't a problem for the for the Rams last year. They didn't play any of their starters. They went out and, of course, go to the Super Bowl. What happens after the Super Bowl? I don't know. I blacked out. You can't hear that from me. Uh, but I think in the second week, we did see more teams start to slowly settle in with their first stringers. We didn't see... I mean, Lions started to do that as well, but at, not with Matthew Stafford. And there's questions, of course, about Stafford's health from last year or, you know, how, how, uh, what's the word durable he's going to be this year. So, I mean, it makes sense if you're worried about the health to sit him around, but 
I mean, what do you make of the question itself that is a concerning Matthew Stafford hasn't played in the preseason? Because I, I don't want to write this question off entirely. I, I really I really don't. It's it's too easy to just write the question off, tell people it's fine, go home, don't worry, but I, I don't want to well, write it off. I'm going to because I don't I don't get the panic here. I think this is more common than you're leading on. I mean, Mitchell Trubisky didn't play. Doesn't he need the snaps? I mean, he's not very good so far. He's still probably learning that offense. Doesn't he need the playing time? No, I mean, but I, I just and, I, and I, I want all the I want, franchise I want quarterbacks like, like good rational reasons to say Stafford shouldn't be playing rather than just telling people you're stupid because that's what creates a lot of this divide sometimes. I'm not calling anyone stupid. I'm just saying this is a common thing that ever, that a lot of people do, especially with franchise quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers didn't play. I, I'm I'm pretty sure Tom Brady isn't or hasn't won't play until the third preseason game. Like this is new for Matthew Stafford, new for Detroit, but this is not new in the NFL. People, coaches know that, and and I mean, look at how the Lions' offense has been this preseason without Matthew Stafford. You protect that asset at every opportunity that you have and he is getting these joint practices which are almost as i mean these joint practices are almost ideal for the kind of live reps for matthew stafford because there's no risk of injury there's as, as matt patricia said that you can do a lot more scheme stuff because you're not putting it out there on tape and you're getting pretty close to live reps as and and you're getting a lot more of them and you can you can also manipulate the the settings so you can you can get your two minute drills in when you might not actually get that in a preseason game. You can get third longs, third and shorts. You can you can manipulate all that in practice and do it against an, a, an opponent, not just your own guys. So I I really don't get why people are wringing their hands about this. It doesn't seem like a big deal to me. Well, I don't I don't think too many are. I think it's just a question posed because it is. I mean, for someone who's who's new to the idea of it though. Sure. Uh, is is tuning in. It's like, hey, where's Matt Stafford? He should at least play, you know, a, a series here. Uh, he did also have a six day break, so they are trying to ration him very carefully. Uh, yeah. I don't know if rationing it, like, I don't know if saving him for his health is uh, something you can really do. It's it's football. An injury can happen almost at any time. There's no like mileage on Stafford before he needs to be taken in for service. <laughs> so, but I, I definitely get the logic of not wanting to run him. The only, the only argument I would ever make against to it. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a tangential one. And it's one I'm not even saying that is my main concern, but I, I would say like when it comes to an exit, the, the whole point of exhibition is, a, is a little bit is to, I've I've heard the people call the the preseason exhibition, and to me exhibition basically means you're out there to make a sell to people on something. I don't know if the Lions need to sell anyone on anything. All I know is that sometimes Ford Field fans can turn on their own team pretty quick, as they did in the preseason. Obviously, this was on the road. No worry of that there, and I don't think Stafford playing helps or hinders those boobirds either. Just. I don't know. Maybe there are some people out there who is like, I want to see what Stafford's doing. And I think it, that's a challenge for us because we're trying to cover the team. We're trying to cover the nitty gritty and also not just deliver just straight up Kool-Aid. So I, but I don't think him playing in these preseason games helps that at all either. Kent, uh, your thoughts on Stafford. I, I think it's fine. Just like you said, a lot of teams do this and we're, we're just not used to it in Detroit. 
for me, the preseason comes down. What do you need to see? What, what do the coaches need to see? What do the players need to get done? I know during the game, a lot of people were making a big deal about Darius Slay being in as long as he was. And for me, I don't think the coaches need to see anything out of Darius Slay. I don't think they were doing that as, as punishment for him talking about a new contract or because he felt they, they felt they needed to see more of him since he hasn't practiced as much. I think Slay just wanted to be out there and the coaches were obliging it. And for Stafford, he's, he's had health issues last year with his back. He's been having a million different family things he's had to deal with. He deserves to have a little bit of time off. And what is he really gaining from going into the second preseason game? I, I, the only benefit I could come up with, because I tried, the only benefit I could come up with was working on taking snaps from Frank Ragnow in game time settings, which is something he hasn't done yet. And working on timing with his fourth and fifth guys, which he can do that in camp. Those are, those are both things that he can do in camp. You're just doing it in a game setting. So that's not a huge benefit. It, it's a benefit, surely, but not one that you're going to go out here and go, oh, my God, I can't believe we're losing all these valuable reps. They're not all that valuable. So I'm, I'm not worried about it. I think we'll see him a little bit this, this coming week. And we might even see him play less than we're used to seeing in the third preseason game out of the starters. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you know, we always, we said last year, Jeremy, preseason game three, that's your dress rehearsal game. That's where you want to see the starters. Uh, are you thinking anything if if it comes around and it's like, yeah, no, no Stafford for the dress rehearsal? That would shock me. Okay. I I would be very surprised. I would, I bet he gets close to a half next week. And if he doesn't, then, then I would start worrying about, okay, maybe his back isn't 100% or maybe there is something that the lines are hiding. But, this is, I mean, that's dress rehearsal, and and Matt Patricia said so. Like, they're they're going on a full regular schedule from now on. Even though the game's on Friday instead of a Sunday, like they're gonna do scheme stuff. They're going to do game planning. They're gonna probably play some of their starting wide receivers. I mean, why aren't we talking about that? Why aren't we talking about Marvin Jones or Kenny Galladay or Danny Amendola? Like those guys haven't played either. So I, I don't you know, know why, I, Jeremy. It, that's not the quarterback position. Like, <laughs> I mean, I I know I know that sometimes we we have assign. A, an incredible amount of value to quarterbacks to the point that we're giving them, you know, QB wins and all that. But like, this is the most important position in all of offensive football. Like hands down, you can't argue any other which way you have a quarterback or you don't in this league. And you but know, the Lions have a quarterback, just, but you're right. It's just funny to me that there's like conspiracy theories. Like the Lions are trying to protect Matthew Stafford from criticism. Like that was one theory that's been po- is that, popped up. That's but a like, very boring conspiracy theory i want to come up with better conspiracy theories now we need more chilean parasites <laughs> oh man that is a blowback that is a blowback to first season of, of pod cast the chilean parasite <laughs> i was gonna try to come up with something with area 51 that's new and hip and in with the kids today stafford was you know naruto running at at area 51 i don't know well maybe they're harvesting so hard what was that, Nar- if anybody if anybody naruto runs during a game, I, you're going to have so Mike many fanboys going nuts. No, no, it's going to be Mike Daniels. Mike Daniels will Naruto run and get I'm, a sack. I'm, I'm here for it, man. <laughs> have, you, have you guys ever considered that maybe they're harvest harvesting Chilean parasites at Area 51? Ah, could happen. Chilean parasites mm-hmm. are actually aliens. <laughs> DeAndre tried to warn us. We didn't listen. We didn't listen. We didn't listen. All right, we have winners, losers coming up. I have nothing else in this game other than one note. Um, actually, can I? I want to give a loser real quick um, because I doubt we're gonna have really have time to really talk about him too much. But the one highlight I saw and woof, um, 
I feel sorry for him was uh, Andrew Adams. And I know, Jeremy, you, you pointed out, like, I think he had a couple of nice plays in this game. But all I know is I turned on SportsCenter when I got in to work tonight. And there is Andrew Adams. I forgot who he was defending. Um, Jarrell Adams. Was it Jarrell Adams? Yes, thank you. Uh, it did not go well for Andrew Adams. He, I've never seen a safety thrown to the ground by a stiff arm before. But it happens. Well, you know, in, in defense of him, now his family has like a nice takeaway gift. They can cut out that piece of the turf and have his face imprint right there. <laughs> wow. Wow. You're meaner than I am. Wall. You're meaner than I am. I'm trying to bring some light to this. I don't know why you would just bring that up to to hurt the guy, so I might as well try to make a joke out of it. It's a low light. Hey, guys, here's a terrible thing that happened. (laughs) Not that terrible. It's a play. It was pretty terrible. It it actually wasn't even his worst play in the game, but it was... was What was his worst play? What would you say was his worst play? Uh, He gave up a touchdown where he misplayed the ball, and the the first angle that they showed, it, it just looked like he was trying to undercut the ball, but they showed another angle... And he misplaying the ball as being pretty generous for how far out of position he was when that pass was in the air. Well, I feel he, like he, didn't play he was in the right position. He just like he thought he was in the right position instead of continuing to back up. I'm sure he thought he was in the right spot, <laughs> <laughs> but he wasn't. Not not even close. Let's take a quick break here. We've got some more fun stuff on the way. We're gonna do winners and losers as well and get some more notes there. We're going to try to expand mailbag a little bit, and we might have time for Rage Corner here with Jeremy, who's... uh, I was not having money on Jeremy having the first Rage Corner, but I guess I'm exempt for Rage Corners. So, you know what? I think Rage Corner is just going to be Jeremy's domain from here on out. (laughs) You call for it whenever you want, buddy. All right. That's good. I'll keep it off of Twitter that way. Yeah, exactly. You know, keep your brand strong. All right. uh, We're taking a quick break. Be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Prideofdetroit.com. Pride of Detroit on Twitter. It's the POD cast. Get it on Stitcher, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart. A uh, real quick question to you guys. Uh, do we riot next year if the Lions, the wearers of Honolulu Blue, do not get to play a preseason game in Hawaii next year? What? <laughs> Where did that come from? I was just, I was watching Rams Cowboys and just thinking like, man, it'd be cool to have a preseason game in Hawaii. I think it'd be cool to be in Hawaii. Yeah. It's Honolulu. I mean, watching from yeah, home. I don't, I don't watching really care from so home. much about the preseason. Yeah. What, I'd like to watch a preseason from game from Hawaii. <laughs> no, that's what I mean. Like, let the Lions go to a preseason game in Hawaii. No, they can play it wherever. You just you, me, and Jeremy. We can go to Hawaii. We can oh, just, watch it from Hawaii. Yeah, I think that would be better. Back in like a, a bar in Oahu or something. Get yeah. some Konas. Yeah, here that's fine. I don't it. care where the Lions play. Personally, they can play it in Australia for all I care. But no, it's better. Like it's be better Hawaii. for Hawaii. I'll, I'll take Hawaii over London any day of the week. I guess we're wanting to buy on the team now. They've got a Hawaii connection, so be, oh, we we Leo. could have a haka before the game. I'm actually now I'm now I'm on board. I want it in Hawaii now. 
Well, you think Leo's going to still be on the team, though, next year? Uh, why not? He's always in camp. <laughs> He's always in He'll camp. bring him back. Now I'm thinking of other places where I'd want to see it. Like, I mean, you know me, I'd, I, you know what? It'd be nice to have an NFL game in Japan sometime. Oh, yeah. There it is. Just there it, it is. Out there. Yep. Check that one off the podcast bingo board. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Japan mention. Trust me, we got some more coming one? up the mailbag. There was, uh, there was, when I looked up a uh, foreign Lions teams. there's a football league in Asia and there's a, a, a Lions team in Sri Lanka. So maybe we can go there. We can have a Sri Lankan crossover game. I just remember they had a really awesome logo. I think a lion holding a dagger. Oh yeah. There's whole worlds of American football that people don't even know about. If you go to American football, international.com AFI review there, they cover like IFAF football and like all minor leagues from like across the world. Uh, they have like a Europe top 20. You will find teams. You have like, you will find levels and universes of football teams and names and logos you've never heard of and you will be amazed at what people can fit on some of these uniforms it's really cool we should do that sometime we should just like sit down and go through some of the ifaf rosters and be like yeah that's that's a cool name i'd like to see that in the nfl there's a leak in kenya did you know that i didn't know there's a kenyan one now i gotta look that up there's an egyptian one too i i've seen people write about that one I was too busy pulling the logo from the Colombo Lions for you guys to see. It's just, it's just awesome. It's, it's a lion holding a dagger. You can't go wrong with that. Yeah, it's great stuff. All right, let's do winners and losers here, real quick. Um, a big winner, I know. I'll just give this one out free before getting individual ones, real quick. Jalen Reeves Mabin seems to be the highlight of the night for the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I mean, no question. The guy was all over the place. Um, I, I think the, the biggest takeaway for me was just how good he was in run defense. I mean, the biggest question, I mean, I, I came into this offseason thinking he was done. He was not going to be on the team. He's too small. Matt Patricia keeps talking about how he likes his linebackers. Big, 250, long, all that stuff. Jalen Reeves maybe was none of that. He comes in. He's a little bit heavier than he normally was. He's still kind of in the 239, 245 range, so still not quite what he wants. But he played big. On, on Saturday night, he I think he led the team in tackles, um, had a couple run stops, one tackle for loss, almost had another, and then obviously, he's he's still the best coverage linebacker that the Lions have. So, um, big day from him. And and I know Kent was talking about he was hoping the linebackers had a better game in this in this uh, better week in this game, and I think they did mostly because of Jalen Reeves Maven and what he showed. Yeah, it's rare that you have a guy who doesn't make any mistakes. And I didn't, I didn't, like I said, I was watching the linebackers specifically. And he played almost the whole game, too. Jalen Reeves maybe played a lot. And I don't think I saw him make a single mistake. I don't think he, I don't think he ever waited too long long to shed a block, struggled to shed a block. He ran, darted through the gap a couple of times. He's always been explosive, even dating back to his college days. And then, of course, as you mentioned, his coverage skills are still good. But I don't think he did anything wrong in that game that I saw. Somebody find me a bad play in that game. So I, so I at least know there's something. All right. And, I mean, now that this is two back-to-back games for him, too, which is huge. Because yep. consistency is everything. All right. Jeremy, give me your loser from this game. Um, well, we kind of already talked about Josh Johnson. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go actually the, uh, the Lions return game. Um, I think this is something that line fans just assumed was going to be good again because Jamal Agnew is healthy and all that, but 
he's never really been a very good kick returner and showed it again on Saturday why he isn't. He wasn't great as a punt returner either. In fact, no one was good as a punt returner. Lions have all these guys that are in competition, and I can't tell you who's going to win it. I, th- I think Jamal Agnew is probably still going to be their punt return, and one bad day doesn't mean he won't be. But in terms of kick returner, who, who are you going to choose? Because Tommy Lee Lewis looked really bad at it. Tom Kennedy had a muffed punt return. Uh, I, I mean, who else is out there? Brandon Powell I, slipped. Brandon Powell slipped, that's right. Um, I, I think the one guy that I'm still waiting to see, and it doesn't seem like they're taking him seriously as a kick return candidate, is Ty Johnson. Uh, and he hasn't shown anything either in the, in the rare opportunities he's had. So I'm, I'm very disappointed by the return team. And I know kick punt return is, is a dying art in the NFL and it's probably not all that important in the grand scheme of things. But um, I expected more out of this crew and we didn't get it on Saturday. Winner for Kent. Who do you got? We already brought up the big one in Jalen Reeves Maven, so I don't I don't really have to go too hard into that one. But the, the easiest winner as far as expectations versus how they played was Will Harris. Uh, it's it's hard to explain to fans who don't who don't attend training camp uh, how bad Will Harris has looked in training yeah. camp. Uh, he struggled in every phase. He struggled as a run defender. He struggled in coverage. Uh, he's just had a really rough camp. The the learning curve seemed to be really really large for him, and you didn't see that at all in this game. It wasn't a perfect game. You still had some rookie moments where he was a little bit hesitant in coverage. Uh, particularly later in the game, actually, which was surprising. But early yeah. on in the game, he was on fire. The dude yep. was flying all over the field. I mean, the the uh, pick, the uh, fumble recovery for a touchdown is going to be the big play that people point to. But in coverage, he played really well. In run defense, he played really well. He was flying all over the field. He was making very clean tackles, uh, which is something he struggled with in college. He, he very much had a Louis Delmas-like, you know, rap, issues with wrapping up, just wants to hit people hard. The wrap-up stuff came later, uh, but he did really well in this game. And and from what we've been expecting from him, what we've been seeing, this was a whole different game for him. All right, Jeremy, give me your winner. And I should give the uh, preseason alert that all these winners and losers, please bear in mind, it's completely determined by also who they're playing against. So if you're thinking, oh, yeah, Jalen Reeves may have been totally going to make the team and play like a stud, uh, let's see what happens if once it does first str- against the first strings in some cases. But, I mean, in a full game, I should say. Jeremy, though, who's your winner? Uh, I think I'd like to go with Romeo Aquara. Um, the Lions haven't had much of a pass rush at all this preseason. In fact, I think they only have two total sacks. One of them came from Romeo Aquara last, uh, last night. Guy was kind I mean, you want to talk about a guy who's on fire. He forced that fumble that Will Harris returned for a touchdown. He had the sack. I think Pro Football Focus credited him with four uh, pass uh, pressures, which, I mean, considering he had, I don't know, somewhere around the 20 20 to 30 snaps in that game, that's a lot. And for, uh, you know, maybe it's just my need for someone to be creating pressure, but to me it looked like Romeo Carr was all over the quarterback anytime he was out there. And, And that's important because he's going to be that primary guy that comes off the bench. We haven't, you know, haven't seen any of the starters yet. So to see that... Romeo Quara, who's getting got a lot of playing time on Saturday, some against the ones, some mostly against the twos and threes, to see him excelling in that role um, gets me excited because he's he's going to be fresh coming off the bench all the time, kind of filling in the the, the blank spots when Trey Flowers isn't out there, and the fact that he he did a good job against, mind you, not not a great Texans offensive line, but the fact that he was still be able to create pressures uh, is important and and I think a good sign. And loser for Kent. 
So this one's uh, partially dependent on other people. So this isn't just about how he played, but I'm, I'm going to give it to Ode Ibushi. Uh, Ode Ibushi had a penalty, and I know it gets brought up as being a, a ticky-tack penalty. It's one of those ones where it was correct by the ruling, but the rule is kind of stupid, uh, yeah. where he had turned his back and defended the guy behind him, and that's a penalty. So I, I'm, it, it's a bad mark because it's a penalty, but the penalty doesn't really bother me that much. But as I was watching him, Ode Ibushi did nothing that stood out to me positively. I thought he struggled as a blocker, and that included later in the game. Um, but I mentioned that it's about how other people played too. Uh, we've already talked, uh, actually, I don't think we did today, but Joe Dahl taking over as the starter at left guard, that's not a good sign for Abushi or Kenny Wiggins, who had previously held that spot. Uh, Kenny Wiggins getting moved around, that shows that he has that positional versatility. We're still seeing Ode Abushi almost exclusively at right guard, and he doesn't look all that great. Uh, ben, uh, Bo Benshaw, who hasn't really showed a whole lot in training camp, who struggled throughout training camp, he played really well against the Texans. So now we have not just one, but three other guards who played really well, and Debushi's just kind of sitting there holding the bags. Um, I don't think that he's on the roster bubble just yet, but if he's not, he's pretty close to it. I think I think he's a guy that was brought in to add that veteran presence and be able to provide uh, some good blocking for the team, and he just hasn't shown that he's really got any upside in that. So uh, he's going to be the guy that I'm marking down for this one, mostly because other guys just played better. All right, and I'm going to real quick give my winners and losers so we can get to J- Jeremy's Rage Corner winner. We talked about him before, David Fails. I don't think he's going to get that backup job. People seem to be in love with Josh Johnson for some unexplicable reason, but again, he it'll has... It'll never make sense to me. Yeah, it, it'll never... You you gave me a great story, Kent, about like the kind of Jekyll and Hyde Josh Johnson goes through when it comes to scouting him. Like, you know, you would talk to some AAF scouts and some XFL scouts or something about, like, he he seems to show up well when it comes time to, like, you know, scout him out when he needs to do the drills, but then just it shuts off when it comes to game time. It's like a guy who interviews really well, and then he gets out there and doing it, and you're like, I don't don't remember him. I remember him being a lot better before, you know, (laughs) it was a lot better in hindsight. That completely mirrors what we've seen in his first week, too, already. Like, he was kind of, I wasn't there, obviously, in Houston, but all the beat reporters are like, yeah, Josh Johnson already kind of looks better than David Fales. And then we go out on Saturday night, and it's the complete opposite. Yeah, this isn't turning into a loser for Josh Johnson here, but, I mean. But he was a loser. But he was a loser, game, I mean. and <laughs> we were thinking about Landry Jones. Guess what? He's already got a job in the XFL, so. And what's funny is if if the Lions hadn't signed Josh Josh Johnson, there's a if they had signed Landry Jones instead, there's a possibility that Josh Johnson would have been the first guy taken by the XFL, which means he would have been the first quarterback signed by two different football leagues within a single calendar year. Yeah, I think I think the XFL got the better one there, but now we're just splitting hairs on backup quarterbacks. But uh, that's that's what it is. And for my loser, all of us at home having to deal with the oncoming hell of coaches. It, it will carry over into the first couple of weeks, but the of coaches trying to review pass interference and what they think is pass interference. We saw it on display in this game in probably the most aggressively idiotic ways possible. And uh, I don't know if I can take it. I really don't. Like, I, I guess I hope that maybe this goes away during the regular season, but something tells me it's not going to. 
but there were some there were some reviews in this game that were just Jeremy please back me up on this so I'm not thinking I'm insane but there were some reviews here that were just it was like getting my teeth ripped out yeah I mean you I'm pretty sure I've railed on this podcast before about how much I hate this new rule and think it's an awful thing and I do think there's a certain amount of just testing going on by head coaches, just seeing what's going to be overturned, what's not going to be overturned, because there's no letter of the law. This is such a subjective thing that they have to realize, like, hey, the rule book isn't telling me how you're going to officiate, so I have to figure it all out on my own during these four weeks of the preseason. That's why we're seeing so many of these pass interference reviewed, and you're right, we all lose because of it, because it's not fun to watch every single pass interference that's even a little bit ticky-tacky get reviewed. And to me, it's it's going to die down a little bit, but not a ton because pass interference is a huge play. It can, I mean, we saw forty two yards last game night completely. Like, like it's a huge penalty because it's a spot so, penalty. Yeah, and it shouldn't be, but that's a whole different debate. Uh, so yeah, I, it'll obviously go down a little bit. While after teams realize, okay, they're not going to overturn every single little one, but at the same time, the the risk reward the the reward is so high for teams to review anything that even might have a little bit of chance of being overturned that I think we're going to see teams deplete their challenges every game now. I mean, or close to every game because it is so valuable and I hate it. I hate it. I hate it so much. It's you're awful. Well, you know what? You're already getting me revved up for rage. I am. And this I am. What you I'm know exactly about. what I'm doing. You know exactly my master plan. So <laughs> here comes your music, man. <laughs> up you're ready to go but you got to shift gears because you have another subject you sent to me and this one's actually about the team itself so by all means man you're revved up you're ready to go the ring is ready for you okay well first a caveat i sent this to you after the first quarter so i was already not in a great mood because of how rough the team was playing perfect time for rage corner yes but it, it fed into my overall anxiety for this team in the direction they're heading and that was stop the run run the ball. That's Matt Patricia's MO. That's his motive. That's his, that's his philosophy. And if that is going to work in the NFL, then we're going to get a lot of Lions games that looked like that first quarter, because guess what they did in that first quarter? They stopped the run. I think they were only rushing for, let me, let me look real quick. They rushed for 24 yards on eight carries. So 3.0 yards per carry. Boom. That's great. The Lions ran the ball. Well, hell, Arion Johnson went for 11 carry, eleven yards on two carries. Average 4.0 yards per carry in the first quarter. But that's not how this works. You look at how that game, how that first quarter played out, the lines were stopping the run. Yeah, great. They were getting the Texans into second and sevens and, and third and fives. But guess what? They couldn't stop the pass. And it just enrages me. And it makes me think that the Lions defense is just being set up for failure. Because, yes, the entire Lions front four wasn't playing. I get that. 
But when you look at the kind of guys they're adding, they're adding run defenders. They're adding big guys who can clog space and and not provide quarterback pressure, but to keep them in the pocket and rely on their back end to cover. The problem is that offenses are, I mean, the rules are so pushed in the offense's favor and it's, it's just too much to ask your defenders to cover for six, seven seconds. And it doesn't work in today's NFL. Now I'm not trying to say that there's only one way to build in the NFL and it's through the pass. I'm just saying that if your idea is to build around stopping the run and establishing the run on offense, you're putting yourself at an automatic disadvantage from the get-go. It can succeed. It has succeeded, but it can get ugly too. Because if you don't have a passing game, if you don't have a pass defense, if you don't have pass rushers that can force turnovers and get your defense, not into second and third and five or six, but into third and 17s because you got a sack or, you know, a fumble or anything like that, then your defense is going to fail in this year in, in the NFL these days. And it just like it fed into that whole dynamic that that's been a, a worry of mine since Matt Patricia stepped through those doors because that, I mean, he just feels like an old timey coach and I'm not sure that has a place in today's NFL anymore. Yeah. Listen, I'm concerned. I, I can, I can appreciate a good zag when people zig, but I don't yeah. think this ain't it fam. This ain't it. Um, I mean, maybe it works out, but as you say, Jeremy, like, I mean, just look at the NFC North right now. Minnesota Vikings have great receivers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is still out there and still slinging the ball. Uh, say what you will about Mitch Trubisky, but it is clear they want to pass in, in Chicago. Like, I man, uh, just in your division alone, we're talking about you need to defend against the pass. Meanwhile, out there across the rest of the league, everyone else is starting to adopt more college schema, starting to finally have trickle down from Mike Leach uh, concepts. And I don't think that wanting to go ground and pounds, like maybe that might work for you on offense, but you also have Matthew Stafford too. Like I would have thought maybe you're trying to figure out how to work him first before deciding you need to run the ball a lot. And, but yeah, I think, I think to your point, Jeremy, I think the more, concerning thing there is the fact that this defense has now stopped the run first because all that's going to really do is kind of enrage a lot of people and that it's like okay great you're going to hold them down to like you know they maybe run the ball on first or second down maybe hold them to like you know two and seven or, or then third down is like what three and four and then they can get like a quick tight end pass out and just beat you every time and that's going to wear down your defense after a while too yeah i mean I just hope that Trey Flowers and hopefully Deshaun Hand is ready for the regular season because they need pass rushers. That that's what this defense is really missing, and I'm not sure how much this defense. I'm not sure how much Matt Patricia really values pass rushers because because yeah. like I said, he's always been more about containing the quarterback than attacking the quarterback. You saw it with the Patriots in, in terms of the way they built their their team, and I know okay, well yeah, build like the Patriots, it works, um, but. Um, a lot of people it, have tried it, to build it, like even, the Patriots and they can't. Right. And and it's even been frustrating for some Patriots fans. And a lot of times the Patriots defensive uh, weaknesses are covered up by a guy named Tom freaking Brady, who, you know, you can throw anything at him in terms of the score and he'll, he'll be the ultimate equalizer. But the Patriots have not been a, a very good pass rushing team in general. Now, also the one thing that might ease all of my concerns right away, once the regular season starts is a more, I mean, 
we're seeing a vanilla defense. We're not seeing a lot of blitzing from the linebackers. I expect to see a ton from the linebackers. And if that works, if Jelani Tavai and Jared Davis, we haven't seen yet this preseason, if those guys become your ultimate pass rushers, that's fine. I'll You can erase this entire rant, this entire rage corner from your memory, but I need to see it first because I am – I mean, this is what we saw last year. We saw the Lions being good against the run – but giving quarterbacks a whole bunch of time to convert on those third and mediums. And if they do it again this year, they're going to struggle again this year. No, I mean, this is this is what I mean when I say, like, I mean, and I know I get pushback on but it's like, this is why I say preseason is our, pre, is our preseason, too. We're trying to lodge our concerns, and whether or not they're getting answered in preseason or not is totally, is totally within the realm of acceptable to talk about. And right now, this is a concern for us. I mean, it, man, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's, As a Lions it's fan, you got it. Everything is a concern until it isn't. I mean, right? <laughs> no, and like, I mean, it, in lack <laughs> of anything else, all I have to go on is last year. And if you're telling me just trust the Lions, I'm like, okay. I they went six and ten last year. That's what I'm going to trust. And they had a lot of problems with these same things we're just talking about. I'm sorry, I can't give you blind trust here, man. I really can't. Yeah, and that was. That was one of the concerns I had in this game because I know I think Jeremy was the one that mentioned uh, Romeo Aquara. That was one of my concerns about him in this game. And I didn't give him a stock up or a stock down in my article. And that was intentional because for me, I saw the same thing that I saw last year, not just with him, but with Devon Kennard as well, where I saw a whole lot of plays where those quarterbacks had just seven, eight seconds to throw. And then you'd have one good play and then it would go back to having seven or eight seconds to throw. There's like no pressure forever. That's exactly what we dealt with last year. Yeah. And maybe that the, works against the pass the... rush existed. Yeah. And maybe it works against teams like the Texans. Yeah. Right? Mediocre, but mediocre not quarterbacks. But like, yeah. If you're going to play it against an elite quarterback, that's not going to work, man. No. And that's, that's concerning when you're watching the same thing that you watched last year. Although at least it was a, a little bit more interesting than it was last year. I guess you could say that it wasn't as boring. I guess I think I think it's also worrying too that they seem to be relying on a secondary that we know right now is like okay Darius Slay is good great but the rest of it needs some work right now. Oh we'll yeah, see. and yeah, I mean we're, we're still definitely concerned about Justin Coleman. I think Rashawn Melvin has continued to actually look pretty good, but um, there's there's certainly some other concerns in the secondary. And, and like I said, if you're relying on them to cover for six seconds, like. That's just asking for trouble. Yeah, no, at some point that it all breaks down, given an infinite amount of time anyway. There's just no way you can beat that. Well, you saw that with Melvin. He had he had really good coverage on Hopkins in this game, and then he was just able to get open because eventually a good receiver is going to get open against a great corner. That's yep. just the way that it works. Exactly. All right, let's take a break here. It's time for Mailbag. Uh, we've got some good questions, uh, and I've got a complaint for Jeremy. And we'll get to that all what else next. Is new? Yeah, I know. You and me beefing. Wow. Hashtag ask POD as always on Twitter. Get your questions in or look for the threads every week. Uh, Jeremy got a first bite in on a lot of these questions here. And uh, 
I, he told me he was going to do that and I was too tired at the time to really push back. And, uh, I don't, uh, I don't know what to do with this sometimes. I feel, I feel like it's the magic's been ruined. I mean, it sounds like you only have yourself to blame for not telling me not to do it. Maybe. I don't accept responsibility that easily, though. <laughs> so let's start. Um, you know what? We used to read a lot of nasty stuff people would write to us. I want to write. I want to read a question from someone. And I swear, Lions questions immediately after this one. Like people are complaining about our mailbag again. Holy hell, we just did like forty-five minutes of Lions talk. Please let us have some fun. Uh, let's see here from Cole at Good Looks Kun asking us, love this podcast, new listener, and you guys have me hooked. Well, welcome to the Empire. Two questions. First, for the adequate host, brief thoughts on JoJo Bizarre Adventure Part 5 ending. Oh, boy. I haven't oh, gotten boy. there yet. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I let you down. I, I, I'm terribly sorry. I'm, I'm burning my way through the second half of, of Season 2, Part 3. Like, this is, this is what happened. I had some very busy months here before we really got the preseason kicked up into gear. And then I fell down a hole and started watching a anime about working out. And uh, it, just other things have been interfering with my life. I am not someone who... who uh, I, maybe I'm going against the grain here, Jeremy. I'm not someone who, who binge watches easily. Like, I still, I, mean, I still have so much on my list here. I still have to go watch The Boys and all that stuff. I don't know when I'm going to get around to it. Well, to me, it's always it's always a matter of just getting started. It's that, it's that initial, I hate to use the word, but it's that initial momentum of like, all right, I'm finally going to sit down and watch The Warrior. I'm finally going to sit down and watch whatever. Like, And then once I get going, it's just rolling downhill from there. I can I can knock out a series in in, in three days. Maybe. For, for an anime like JoJo, though, it means like 20 episodes a season, too. So it's, mm. it's a lot more work here. But, uh, I mean... I, I'm working on it. I'll get back to you. I, I will say I, I'm in love with the show still, and apparently there's a lot of people who agree with me because I made a JoJo joke on Twitter about the Lions. Uh, do you have a stutter? A JoJo joke? No, no. That is the name of the show, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I, I, know. I know. I know. You're trying to do something, but I'm not going to let you have that. Uh, I Look, man, what, what else can I say? It's like it's one of those animes like Dragon Ball Z or something. It's a bunch of very buff, muscular men, kind of homoerotically charged, a uh, lot of bros, and just having fun out there, beating people up, weird, weird catchphrases. And I, uh, I fully expect the NFL to cross over with JoJo a lot more into this season. There's a lot we could learn from JoJo. Strategic sure. retreats. Screaming. Talk, look, I'd rather talk about Jojo Wicker. Who's that? <laughs> uh, I believe he was a tight Ken might have to back me up. He was a, I believe he was a tight end. No, he was a, a, our fourth string nose tackle last year. Oh, that's right. Uh, whose most notable NFL contribution so far was starting a brawl at Bill's camp last week. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yes, I forgot about that. Yes, yes. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Let's get to some more questions here. Uh, let's go with Why Not the Lions, who asks us very succinctly, the Browns can't be better than us, right? I plead the fifth. So the Browns are Browns are better than us. Let, let me just uh, put it this I, way. I, we th wanna... I think a lot of the preseason hype for the Browns is not going to last. No. 
I mean, they're not as good. They're being hyped up like they're an immediate Super Bowl contender, and they're not, but they are way better than we've seen the Browns forever. I mean, they have a quarterback now, which is something they haven't had since forever. I mean, they have that's the running joke, right? They don't, they, they have, they've had like 30 something quarterbacks uh, since the team was brought back. Uh, but their defensive line is really good. It's really good. It's, it's not just, it's not just okay. It's a scary defensive line. And then they have uh, Denzel Ward at corner. So they have an, a, a top tier cornerback on their defense. Uh, there's, there's holes. I mean, there's, there's holes on their team. They don't have the strongest linebacking core. Um, oh, their, their receivers weren't that good, but suddenly they have, you know, Odell Beckham now and Jarvis Landry and they're a pretty formidable team where they haven't been. And it's been a very quick turnaround um, because they haven't had a quarterback for so long. They've been building the team up for a couple of years now, but if you don't have a quarterback, you're never going to notice. Right. And then they got their cornerback, their quarterback. And now, Oh crap, they've got an actual team. Um, I think the Browns are really good. I think they're, I think them being favored to win the AFC North is a little bit rich for me, but it's not to me. I, well, I can at least win? see the argument. Yeah, I, I can at least see the argument. I don't think the, the Steelers the are going to be. Steelers and the Ravens have taken. Yeah, I don't think the Steelers back. are going to be completely disastrous. But I mean, I know from looking at win totals, no one's kind of the clear-cut favorite in AFC North. Yeah. Just just by going by win totals, though. And again, a lot of this is based on public perception. Browns win total over under at nine. Lions at six and a half. Yeah. So there's that. You know. I want the Ravens to be good because the Ravens have brought in uh, multiple advisors over this offseason who ran triple option. And oh we don't get to God, see that yes. in the NFL. And think you've already started imagining it. You know what that'll look Dude, like. It's going to be amazing. I was I was down in Georgia's southern country when Jeff Munkin was still the head coach. Now he's at Army <laughs> winning double-digit games. When's the last time you can say Army was winning double-digit games with a triple option? I want to see well, Jeff Munkin in the guy, pro. So. I want to see Jeff Munkin in the pro in the pros. All right. <laughs> like yeah, I'm. I'm here for it, man. I'm very much here for it. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm excited about that team. Yeah. Well, I think everyone is. I, I really think everyone is, and Baker Mayfield is kind of creating almost a heel character as well, and I'm kind of here for it. I'm, I'm, I'm one of the guys who roots for the heels. So, all right. Billy Sims made me do it, stepping right in the doo-doo. Thank you, Billy, for doing this. Uh, what do you make of the NFL partnering with Jay-Z? So if you haven't heard the news, Jay-Z is partnering with the NFL as kind of a bit of an ambassador for social justice issues. And that's a term that's been beaten into the ground. It really doesn't mean much. Like, just listen to, like, if someone says social justice warrior, that is a key for me to tune that person out. Because you have nothing valuable to say if you're, if you're using the term social, social justice warrior as, like, a pejorative. Because imagine what you're saying there. But, uh... Jay-Z is also going to reportedly get a majority ownership in an NFL team. Eric Reed has been railing against him. My whole take on this is twofold. One, I don't really know what to make of it because I really can't think of the last time Jay-Z, like consider how long Jay-Z has been like filthy rich, right? So how close can he be to a lot of these issues at the end of the day? And just, I, I mean, I don't care your background. If you've, if you've been up there, in the clouds with the Kardashians and Beyonce or whoever else is in that rock nation orbit, you're, you're kind of detached a little bit from, from the streets. 
The second point I want to make is if he's looking for a majority ownership, is this how we finally resolve all these people who want the Fords gone for the Detroit Lions? The answer here is clear. Jay-Z should be the majority owner of the Detroit Lions. That went a direction I wasn't expecting. <laughs> I am I am suggesting a compromise here. That's a hard compromise to ignore. I don't know. I, I saw some of Martha's uh, interview that she's doing this week, and I'm, I'm, I don't know if I want anybody else to take over it. I'm, I'm starting to buy in completely to our over 90 owner and her future with the team. Firestone, baby. No, don't do this. We just did this with Mike Illich, too, and it didn't end well for, for Tigers fans. Right. Firestone <laughs> is not Illich. It's Firestone. <sighs> okay. GA Lions fan, do you think any Lions will sign an extension before the start of the regular season? I we had Joe Dahl. Well, yeah, there's Joe Besides Dahl. Joe Dahl. I have to think Graham Glasgow's next. Yeah. He's he's been playing fantastic during training camp, pretty good during the preseason as well. He's all but I mean, is I don't think there's even a competition at right guard at this point. Uh-uh. I think it's his I- job. And, I'm glad you mentioned that. I was actually talking that about, about that with my brother the other day about Graham Glasgow because he was asking why they've been playing him so much, even though he's like he's only missed one snap since he's been drafted. And I, I think that he he made a suggestion. He's not he's not very tuned into football, but he made a suggestion I think makes sense, which is that he's probably just playing so much at right guard. He, he plays the first and second team at, yeah, at right guard, a lot and I think he's. I think he's doing that because he spent time at left guard. He spent time at center. He hasn't really spent time at right guard. Maybe he's just trying to get used to it. It's a shift from what he's been doing the last couple of years. And he's just trying to get used to the motions, get used to where he's at on the field. If that's all it is, there's, there's no evaluation going on. It's just him getting used to it. Yeah. And I mean, he's everything that Joe Dahl is as well, except better at everything. And yeah. so I don't know how you could rationalize giving Joe Dahl an extension and not Graham Glasgow. So I think he's next in line. The other guys, I'm not so sure about. I was even mentioning Ashawn Robinson yesterday and thinking that I don't think he's a lock to get an extension this offseason. I think he has to prove more. He had obviously a really good season last year, but I think there are questions about his work ethic. I think there are questions about whether he gives effort on every play, and I think I need to see a little bit more out of him this year to show that it wasn't just a, a one-year fluke. Because, I mean, let's remember where we were with Ashawn Robinson last year at this point. We were ready to cut the guy almost. And then he was, yep. I mean, he was benched in week one of the, of, of the regular season last year. So obviously last year was a big step in the right di- direction for Ashawn. But I don't think if I was a Lions, I'd be ready to hand him a contract. Yeah, I agree. All right. Next. I don't really have anything else to add. That was, that was perfectly put. I, I totally agree with all that. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think he's safe. Next question here from Jay Jones 164. If you weren't raised a Lions fan, who would be your team and why? Well, I wasn't raised a Lions fan. I just picked this for some ungodly reason because I was a Pistons fan and I thought, oh, I should pick the rest of the teams in the city. Because sometimes you make bad decisions. Yeah, we all make mistakes. Uh, But no, I I like this question a lot. I think think we've had this way before and I might as well just repeat it because it's been over a year. So most of my mother's side of the family is in Western Pennsylvania. I'd probably be a Steelers fan. Well, so um, I I actually didn't start out as a Lions fan. I gr- I grew up in in Michigan. I've always been in Michigan, so you'd, you'd think that I would have. But I I started my love of football from watching old films of of uh, Randall Cunningham, and and the Eagles. So maybe that 
Um, I also lived in Texas for a bit and I, I've adopted UTSA as one of my college teams. So maybe I would take the Texans as, as a team too, because it wouldn't be the Cowboys. I didn't like the No, Cowboys I like this idea of you being an Eagles fan just because it means an alternate dimension. You and me would just be like just beefing Loathe so hard. <laughs> we would be fighting each other so much. Jeremy, what's your answer? That'd be great. I, I answered this one on the site, but it, it's kind of a hard exercise for me because I've never adopted a team ever. Like I, I don't watch any of the sports where I would have to adopt a team, and I've just kind of been loyal to Michigan teams uh, my entire life. But I think I would go with the Arizona Cardinals because they have some likable guys. Larry Fitzgerald is maybe one of my favorite football players ever and favorite people ever. Uh, They have a a history of a bad franchise. I would never really – I could never see myself throwing support around a, a very successful franchise. That seems extremely boring to me. And uh, obviously they have a, a new exciting coach in Cliff Kingsbury. So this is funny I, I think to Cardinals would be my team. This is funny to me because my dad grew up as a St. Louis fan of the Cardinals in baseball and the Cardinals in football when they were there mm-hmm. in St. Louis. And when they moved to, to Phoenix, he stopped being a fan of pretty much everything in the NFL anyway. Like he followed a little bit with Joe Montana with the 49ers, but like, so yeah, I just find that note funny there. No, I would not have become a St. Louis Cardinals fan either. Like (laughs) I had no connection to St. Louis at all. I don't know why that was a thing for him, but you know, stranger things have happened, I guess. JT Chance asking us, why don't Chris and Jeremy have a walk-up song like Ryan does? I, I don't need the bells and whistles, you know? I just, my my voice, my takes, that's that speaks for myself. That is my theme music. It's just me talking. As a producer, I usually find we only need one bit of music for the walk-up. There, there needs to be not too much. And Ryan's, Ryan's the third man. Mansur has walk-up, too. Uh, Kent doesn't have walk-up. You so, dropped a bomb on me. No, absolutely not. Just, Dang it. It's just something that happens, man. Some people have walk up some people don't it's just how things worked out there, there aren't enough good there aren't enough good math songs out there for me to be able to use yeah there's plenty of science ones but math always kind of gets thrown to the sidelines now i'm i'm trying to think of something there but i can't think of anything so yeah i've got nothing all right Let's take another question here. Bud Dog, very simply, tacos or burritos? Oh, man. Burritos. Why do I got to choose? Burritos are easy. Why do I got to choose? It's easy. It's burritos. Yeah, probably burritos. I'd go for burritos. I don't know. I feel like my issue with burritos is I feel pressured to eat the whole thing at all times. And if I'm getting like a Chipotle burrito, that's too much food. Well, don't get a Chipotle burrito. Okay, but I'm just saying, in. In tacos, everything's portioned out a little more evenly. So I'm like, all right, I've had three tacos, not going to have a fourth. I'm not just going to eat three quarters of a burrito. I'm not a crazy person. You, you got to finish your burritos. I but I mean, it's, it's too, everything though, else. you're not going to half eat a taco. Well, right, but they're smaller, so I can I can pace myself a little more with with tacos. But I mean, everything else is essentially the same. I just like what goes into a burrito more than what goes into a taco. After a while, I kind of get tired of having cilantro on everything, and maybe I want a burrito with just more stuff, like some salsa, and some rice. You can't put that on a taco. I mean, you can, but if you're just getting like a standard street taco, it's it's some meat, and then you're throwing on a little bit of. Uh, 
onion and some cilantro and then maybe maybe some queso fresco but really it's it's simple tacos are supposed to be simple it's supposed to be like a quick snack a quick snack of meat with some with some dressing that's it all right i'll allow it all right um trying to find some more questions here did you have anything else that stood out in your mind jeremy because you you know snuck a peek at all these uh, I haven't looked in a little bit. Well, you, I'm going to punish you now. Kevster, top 10 fried foods better than mozzarella sticks. I, I also answered this one. And the funny thing is I answered this question back in 2016. I mean, we didn't and have so, a list cast, but I mean. Do you want me to go over my, my list? You don't need all of them. Just give me your top three. And then I have some all questions right, for you on your list. I'm going to change it a little bit. Oh, jeez. Number one, calamari. Number two, egg rolls. Number three, crab rangoon. I like it. I'm imagining like fried chickens above that too, right? Um. Well, uh, this my list oh, was God. appetizers only, so oh. it did not include. But that includes chicken, chicken tenders. I did have boneless wings at eight. Chicken, chicken tenders. You mean chicken nuggets? I, boneless wings. Yes, that's not a fact. Yes. Correct. That there has to be rules in the un- in the, when we start referring to wings. There has to be rules, man. There has to be hierarchies that are followed. Like, or else we're just gonna have Tyson calling them wings with a Y and a Z. And I can't let. I'm an anarchist, but I can't let anarchy reign over chicken. I just can't can't do it, man. The overall point is mozzarella sticks is it's not even in the top ten. Can of I ask ideas. you this one question? Are, are mozzarella sticks or fried pickles? I don't see. I don't really like pickles that much. I like pickles on burgers and relish on hot dogs, but no, but like you, I, one or the other, which one are you taking? Mozzarella sticks. Mozzarella sticks or jalapeno poppers? Jalapeno poppers was four on my list. Okay, I haven't had one of those in a really long time. Delicious. Mm. Can't really do too many fried foods. Um. Hank fan two three two four two five. Off the top of your head, do you know how old Van White is? Once again, Jeremy, you ruined this one. I just wanted to point it out that you ruined it. That's all. I want to point out that I actually nailed it. I was off by one year when I guessed because I am a game show nerd. Yep. Joseph R. Sweeney, funniest football player name of all time. That's a question. Well, he gives wait, us, wait, wait, wait. He gives us some suggestions here. Jake Butt, Steve Breston, Kalen Ballage, or Ballage, or whatever. What was that kicker? There was a if, it, if we're not including the NFL, there was a kicker whose last name was Shank. Well, there was, and there was a Bears guy named Blewett. Yeah, oh, Blewett yeah, was Blewett, a, yeah. I mean, but I mean, if we're gonna go like the body part route, I mean, is Will anyone ever beat Dick Buttkiss? No. Yeah, I mean, I don't no. think we give enough cre- credit to the fact that Dick Buttkiss is probably the funniest name in all of sports, <laughs> and yet no one laughs about it. Which oh, a, I still do. Which, A, probably, ac- probably accounts to the sheer terror that Dick Buttkiss will put in you, and B, because people don't want to laugh because it's a bear. It's a legendary Chicago bear. And that just makes me laugh at him more. There is a Dick Buckus school or like a freeway or something in Chicago. I, I, I will laugh at it. Just I don't have the energy right now. I really don't. Buckus. 
Um, let's see. GM26 wants to ask, this is our last question here. Free agent signings. I'll get a, a, a legit question here. Any buyers remorse yet on any free agent signings? Anyone you feel confident will earn or outperform their contract? Those are two opposite questions. Ken, I'm, I, I also answered this one already, so I'm, I'm curious as to what, if there's any free agents that the Lions signed this offseason that, that you would have buyers remorse over. Not so far yet. I think that I think you you mentioned Justin Coleman as one, right? Yep. And I think that's an easy one that we're going to see quickly, right? If if Justin Coleman doesn't start working out, if he starts struggling early, we're going to notice that real quick. Um, I think that Jesse James is going to look like he was overpaid because I don't think he's going to be that much of a receiving option. I think he's going to be more of an outlet for Matthew Stafford. So I don't I don't think that he's going to get all the big huge plays. He's not going to make a bajillion catches that justify a larger contract. So I think that there's going to be a lot of fans that that fall on that and say that he's he's disappointing. But he was brought in to do both that and block, and he's doing both of those things so far. So I think that's going to be one that's deceptively okay as a signing. Um, but I think Rashawn Melvin only being on a one-year deal might be the biggest part of remorse we could have. Because if Rashawn Melvin works out, as a starter opposite Darius Slay. The Lions then have to either re-sign him at a cost that's going to be potentially prohibitive, or they're looking at trying to fill that void with somebody else and having to have that player compared to somebody who actually played well. You know, one thing that's been working in Rashawn Melvin's favor is that the Lions had such a horrible situation last year at CB2 that he doesn't have to play at an all-pro level to look like a massive improvement, right? But if he comes in and plays well and like really well, well enough to justify potentially a second contract, that could be the biggest part of, of buyer's remorse for this Lions team is that they only got him on a one-year deal. That's a really interesting take. I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, that's that's like a very optimistic take on the on the Rashawn Melvin signing while also being kind of a pessimistic take. Like <laughs> if he does work out as well. And, and I don't, I mean, we would also kind of be sitting here criticizing the lines if they had handed him you know like a three-year 20 million dollar deal or something like that right but yeah if he if he does work out that is kind of a downside to it is that they did only sign him to a one-year deal that's that's something i hadn't considered all right i think we're going to leave it there um once again thank you for downloading the pod cast catch it every week here we'll be back next week dress rehearsal game and i think we're going to try to start getting some guests on here kind of round out our coverage and get ready for you for the regular season it's almost here baby i can't wait let's go let's go see you star side thank you for listening to the pride detroit pod cast we are on itunes and stitcher our main theme was produced by brian shepherd you can find him on twitter and on soundcloud at I am Brian Shepard. I-A-M-B-R-I-A-N-S-H-E-P-A-R-D. Thanks a lot to him. Check out his stuff. He's been great. He gave us Victory Monday, so go check him out. That's I am Brian Shepard. And thank you for everyone who keeps listening and makes us one of the greatest Lions podcasts possible. Y'all are awesome. See you star side. <laughs>